This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The second reading is from Hebrews, the 11th chapter. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection, others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death, they were sawn in two, they were killed by the sword, they went about the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better, so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set up before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Holy wisdom, holy word. Grace and peace be yours from the God who is not far off, but it is nearby. Amen. I'm about to date myself. I'm going to own it pretty early. I find that's happened more and more these days. Anyone remember the movie Dead Poet Society? Okay. A lot of older people are shaking their head. Young people, I don't know what you're talking about. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Robin Williams is this totally committed high school teacher in a, in a boys' school in, in New England. My favorite scene is he got the class all out in the hallway, and he's walking down the hallway, and he's pointing to all the, the graduates of the school, the black and white class pictures. He tells them, be quiet. Shh. He says, you, you, if you listen, you can hear them. You can hear them talking to you. And then in almost a whisper, and if you saw the movie, you know what he says. He says, carpe diem, uh, seize the day. Seize the day. Make this moment count. Today it is not Robin Williams. It is the writer of Hebrews, and he's not walking through a hallway of old pictures. Today he's walking through a bunch of old stories. And it is, in fact, for me, like every one of them is saying, seize the day, Jim. Seize the moment. Um, 12th chapter of Hebrews, which we just 
At the very near end of our reading, we heard, therefore, let us run with perseverance. The, therefore is everything that happened in the 11th chapter. And the 11th chapter is a lot, a lot of verses. It's one of the best chapters in all of Scripture. I've read a thousand times. Anybody who is anybody in Scripture and faith is in that one chapter. And we like skipped all of it so that we don't make worship too long. Verse 7, Noah uh, spent his entire life building an ark. And frankly, I don't have that kind of patience. I get testy just a month at a time. I'd be muttering on my breath constantly, what's taking so long, God? What is your plan here? And there are days when I can almost hear Noah whispering in my ear, it took me a lifetime. People laughed at me, and at the point, I almost gave up. So keep, keep, keep going. Verse 80 talks about Abraham. Of course, it's sexism, or he would have been talking about Sarah and Abraham. They left their home in a place called Ur. God said, I'm going to send you to your own land, so take off. Go somewhere, somewhere. And God told them we're going to have as many descendants as our stars in the sky. We covered that last week, and now it's 40, 50, 60 years. God finally gives them a son named Isaac, which means laughter. And every once in a while, I can hear Abraham whispering, you know, sometimes, Jim, this does look crazy. And God's ways are not the world's ways. And you need to just trust the promise. Verse 22 is Joseph. He was uh, sold into slavery by his brothers. He's accused of a bunch of crimes that he did not commit in Egypt. He was thrown into prison. There was no Chris Buss sending chocolate chip cookies in Cairo's ministry when he was in prison. And somehow he made it, and through it all, he just kept trusting the promise. And then he had this enormous change of position in life. The story flips, and suddenly he's, he's rich, and he's, he's powerful, and, and people depend upon him. And every once in a while, I can hear Joseph whispering, faithful in small things, Jim, then you will learn to be faithful in other things. And that's the whole chapter. It's person after person after person, Moses and Samson and Samuel and David and Rahab and Ruth, those last two are women. There is this great cloud of witnesses, the writer says, who cheer us on, who whisper in our ears, who, who tell us, don't give up, don't lose heart, don't quit, run the race, you can do this. And the cloud of witnesses uh, does not quit growing in our lives once the Bible is canonized. You all have a list of those witnesses in your life. My Sunday school teacher, Miriam Sher, I'm certain that she was the only one they could convince to teach the class because this rippy rammy kid, Jimmy Wilson, was in the class, gluing these little wood chips together to make bookends. Nine years old, I can still hear her whispering in your ear, we're making these to hold books, but books don't do you much good if they stay on the shelf, Jimmy. Once asked Fred Moiser, President of Trinity Simmer, can I shadow you for a day? By the time I got there, he said, yes, I got there at 7.30 in the morning. He'd already been at work for two hours and played around round of tennis over at Capital University. And there are a lot of days when I can hear him say, God's going to give you the strength to do the things that you need to do. And Herm Lehman was my internship supervisor, and I can hear his voice says, it's amazing what you can get done if you don't care who gets the credit for it. Since we are surrounded by this like, great cloud of witnesses, says the writer of Hebrews, and each and every one of you are surrounded by those witnesses. We must run with perseverance the race that is set before us. This church has been enormously blessed, and 
I hope it's clear that we are blessed to run a race. I know the 80-20 rule, all of you do do, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I've heard that like a hundred times. But here's some breaking news, that's not in the Bible. (laughs) 20-80 rule does not apply to the kingdom of God, does not apply to following Jesus. And that's what has provoked me all this week. Uh, It's been a week of athletics, you're probably doing the same thing. I I record as many uh, of the Olympic events as I possibly can. I fast through all the commercials, get excited about it. And then, on top of that, a tragic accident of some of our Worthington-Kilbourne athletes this week. And then there's this admonition from Scripture that says, do not lose hope. Run with perseverance, a race, a race that's set before you. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, run the race. What's really important here is that you understand today that you, you are not a spectator. You're actually in the race. You're running the race. And yes, it is hot and it is sweaty and it is dark and difficult, but... The stadium, the cloud of witnesses, is like going wild. They're screaming your name. You've heard probably a dozen times on Olympic coverage this week. The home venue bump is what they're calling it. Brazil is going to win more Olympic medals in this Olympics than they have ever won in Olympics before. It's called the home court advantage. It happens every time whoever hosts the Olympics. And it happens for us. You look up on your race and you see the Apostle Paul. He's got a big sign with your name on it. You can do it, Jimmy. Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Miriam, they're like high-fiving each other. Do you see that Jimbo run? Rahab and Ruth, they're like, they're like parents watching their Olympic child. They're, they're doing the moves as, as they go. See, all of those people who went before you, they're shouting at you and for you. Carpe diem, seize the day, run the race. I hope that motivates you as much as it does me. There are all kinds of people in this world, and they're, they're running all kinds of races. One of the most profound things I heard in my adolescence was this phrase, the problem with winning the rat race is that when you're done, you're still a rat. Some people run races of greed and lust and ego and fame and power, make or take as much as they can. It took me a while to get this. It's not just about running. You've got to be running the race that matters. And the only race that really matters when it's all said and done is the great run of hope, uh, the race of Jesus. The very last thing the writer of Hebrews says in our reading today, and this is the good news, is that we can look to Jesus. What's the goal? What's the finish line? It's Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, is what he says. The Prince of Peace, Jesus, the Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the friend of sinners, lover of my soul, King of kings, Lord of lords, Lord of life. You see, all of those wonderful people are cheering us on, and that is amazing and wonderful. But Jesus isn't in a crowd cheering us on. Jesus is not like our cheerleader. Jesus is actually the goal. Jesus is the finish line. And the goal of discipleship is to follow Jesus across the line. The goal of discipleship is to be like Jesus. Which in short is to say we're not called to really be like Jesus admirers. In fact, I think it's somewhat ludicrous to say the whole goal is to believe in Jesus. What does that even mean? We're not not called as the church to gather as many Jesus admirers as we can into one room and then feel good that we did that. 
We're called to be Jesus followers, to equip Jesus followers in doing justice and loving mercy and walking humbly with God and loving God and loving our neighbors and to run the race. And every Jesus follower is in the same race. And part of our job as equipping missional church is to make sure that we let you know that you're not a spectator, that you're in the race. We're not just trying to like sell you a ticket to watch the race. One of these days, we're going to all be spectators. But right now, by God's grace, we're in it to win it. <laughs> and we run it because he's already won it. Imagine you're running a race and all the saints are there cheering you on and, and you need that. It's a fight. It's one of those Olympic moments. You come around the corner of the stadium and you can see the finish line. You can hear the great cloud of witnesses. And standing on the finish line, already there, is Jesus. Believe this or not, I once ran a 10K. <laughs> I'm using the word once. Terre Haute, Indiana, trained with a guy in my congregation. It was kind of a bet on our part. Um, he got shin splints halfway through and couldn't run. I'd never run that far in my life, and I have not since. It seemed like a really good idea at the time. I'm just going to go up there. I'm going to run in this thing. And about 4K didn't seem quite so good to me, and at 8K seemed like a horrible idea. And so I just stopped every now and then and walked. And my whole goal was to finish 10K in 60 minutes. And 60 minutes, the only reason for that was because everybody who finished in 60 minutes would be listed in the newspaper. And I needed everybody in town to see that I had finished, and especially the guy that I'd made the bet with. So I come around the corner, and I can see the finish line way up there. And I can see this big clock, 57 minutes. And I'm like totally out of gas. Just done. And right then, a woman that I had never met, who was at least 65 years old, at that point 30 years older than I was, runs by me slaps me on the butt and says, you can do this. It looked like an Olympic finish. There's no way I was going to let that woman beat me. 59, 54, I still have the newspaper. You come around that corner and you see the finish line and it's Jesus. And he shouts your name and slaps you on the butt. You can do this. Don't stop. Don't stop now just because it's difficult. And he runs across the line with you, and he carries you if he has to. And you feel so much relief and so much accomplishment. And all of that pales in comparison to the big bear hug that he throws on you at the end. You have no idea how proud I am of you, he says. Listen to this again. It's, it's Bible talk, but it's so very real. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight of sin and let's run with perseverance a race that's set before us. Let's look to Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him took up the cross and disregarded all of the shame. And he has now taken his seat at the very throne of God. Amen.